up y'all it is tuesday june 23rd 2020 uh you are listening to the hold that podcast podcast i am your intrepid host t bob a bear and i am joined by my um significantly more scared and less intrepid host brody miller of the athletic brody what's going on man not too much man i uh you know there's tottenham's playing this afternoon LSU's got a big announcement tomorrow, so it does feel like I just have like sports going on in my life again, which is a good thing. But then again, we have positive cases going everywhere, so who knows what's going to go on. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, and we will talk about those positive cases. Um, it was nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even really a Premier League guy. I don't, I don't have a team that I love. And back in the day when all my friends were loving to wake up and watch Premier League on Saturdays, that was kind of my like alone video game time when I wake up early, so I just never wanted to... EPL it up, uh, but but I, I enjoyed having it on in the background this last weekend, and it was really nice. And you it know is what? great background watching, even if you exactly if even if you're not like a huge guy and you only like tangentially know some things, like having that in the background is huge. And and honestly, just like it's good to have something like we saw with the NASCAR race last night, which like most of Twitter does not care about NASCAR on day to day basis, but everybody was tweeting about NASCAR, and it's just yeah. like good to have joint experiences again because that's so rare and it's corny, and I don't care if that's it's corny. Those, it's it those pop culture, uh, those pop culture touchstones. Exactly, that we discussed yeah. before. That's They're what I miss. Rarer and rarer in the uh, streaming era, and then in sports, there's just been none because you know there's been. No sports. Uh, last thing I'll say in the EPL, I love the fake crowd noise. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, and it, maybe it works in soccer better than most because those crowds do consistently have the rhythm and chants, and, and that's part of what makes it such wonderful background noise. But, like, it, it, it makes me feel like I want fake crowd noise when the NBA resumes. Yes. I want fake crowd noise. Well, I mean, I don't know. The MLB is always kind of empty, so I don't know I was if like, that say. even matters. So I uh, think, but but I want I want it with the NBA, maybe mainly. I think NBA has to because okay, soccer for example, I because I, I watch a lot of Bundesliga and whatnot, and they give you options with with these leagues that so you can listen on one channel with it and one channel without. I've actually been fine both ways with soccer. It just kind of it's not like a deal breaker without it. It's been fine. And football, I could almost even see that being fine without it because you know you have enough natural noises in that game. NBA, you need it because, man, have, like, when's the last time you watched like an empty court, you know, like a practice, and it's just the sounds squeak, are squeak, awkward, squeak, 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 echoes, the echoes <laughs> is the biggest thing, it's just like this weird, uncomfortable thing, so I think even for the players, you kind of need it, because they'll, like, I think you need it in the stadium, like, I really do. You're going to be, yes, you're going to be self-conscious, engaging in player chatter, if you're just in a quiet gym, or I mean, probably not, because <laughs> I, I want, guess it's like I want somebody whatever, to write like playoffs. a deeply reported story of just like, like ah, do you think this really hurts this team because their best players are really good trash talker and they're losing that? So you know, how does that affect their title odds? I think that's what somebody needs to really. No, their into. best player just has bad social anxiety and like hates the sound of his own voice and and it's just it's he feels so magnified. It would be perfect in, for Kevin Durant if he was healthy. That that yeah, he would be the, exactly. the example. <laughs> 
Uh, exactly. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited uh, for the NBA to get back. I'm interested to see. And, and you know what, though? The legend, Joel Myers, voice of the Pelicans, actually said the complete opposite on the radio show earlier this week. I get it. He he said that he wants to hear all that player talk, which could be cool. I'm but, in for the ah, player talk. We'll I'm not here for the other really uncomfortable, awkward noises. But Bill Simmons I, is on I his side. Bill Simmons is like team... Let the player noise. And, hey, I love it. Like, golf with hot mics has been awesome to, like, actually hear somebody get mad about something and all that. So I'm here for it. I just I, – I have a feeling it's going to be uncomfortable. Before we get and to the show – players aren't wearing mics. Oh, okay, okay. What you got, Brody? I wanted to ask you about your, your Baton Rouge – I don't want to step on your other shows, but your Baton Rouge bar tier list you just tweeted out. I'm okay. confused by it. What is yep. the rank? I mean, obviously, a lot of our listeners are Baton Rouge people, so I'm really curious here. Okay, so um, I did not put this out. Um, I had to get home after work really quick today for a baby's doctor appointment. But uh, So every Tuesday and Thursday, me and the producers on my show who age from um, like 21 years old, I think, to 27. So normally we're 21 to 31. It's a cool decade, which I love. But I had to sit out today's show. And we do tier list Tuesday, where you make a tier list of a certain category, S being best, then A, then B, then C, then D. And they did a tier list for Pat uh, Rouge. And in the S tier, you got Fred's and The House, which I found to be shocking. When I was in college, that was not the cool place. In the A tier, you have Ivar's, Bogies, and Bulldog. No surprise there. Um, in the B tier, JL's sits, uh, my personal favorite from back in the day. And the C tier, you have Club Reg, uh, Reggie's and the Rev. And then in the D tier, you have Mike's, Duvick's, Dead Poets. Uh, I've never really been to any of these. And then you have Uncle Earl's in the D tier. Which I know you're a big Earl's guy these days. Renovation. Well, you know, like I, I, I like too. Earl's fine. I like Earl's I, fine. I think since the renovation, it's a pretty pretty damn cool place to hang out. One time I went, though, it was just super packed, and I, I don't know. I'm just not into packed bars. I mean, And this is pre-COVID, I mean. I'm just not into like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the big guy needs some room to dance. I was kind of bumping into people. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it going. Yeah, um, I need to be somewhere where the expectation isn't to dance. But if I dance, it's cool. That's what I'm yeah. looking for. I don't want to yeah. be at a dancey place. No, I have no. I like to be able that. to have like a like a three to four foot radius in all directions, exactly. so I can really let loose too. Yeah. Um. So okay. So what jumps out to you from this tier list? Well, and I, that's why I want to pick your brain on it. And obviously, it's perfect having some younger people on your show with you because, like, I cannot speak confidently at all about the Tigerland places because when I came to Baton Rouge, I was what twenty three, and I'm just like I refuse to go to Tigerland. I don't want to be that creepy <laughs> guy like post grad in Tigerland, so I've just never been. I've been to Bogies, had a great time at Bogies once or twice, but still, even that I kind of avoid. But yeah, I mean Ivar's I think is like the Baton Rouge staple. It's the perfect middle ground bar where like. You will genuinely find people who you will find a ton of college students there. You will find a ton of like fifty-year-old dads there. You know, yeah, you'll, you'll find true. some like relevant Baton Rouge people in there. You know, it's just it's a good hybrid place where you can hang out. It's got a dive bar feel, but also kind of a cool feel. It's just it, it hits is that, a perfect. Is that, is that what is that? Is that called Midtown? What's that part? No, what's that part of town? I just call it the Overpass right area, but like I don't yeah. know what to call it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm screwed. I know there's a name. Oh, well, it doesn't matter, but you're right. That's, it's true. I don't think you'll find a consistently bigger age mixture 
than at Ivar's. Uh, the Bulldog to a lesser extent. Yeah. And every now and then, people go and try to relive glory days at Bogies and become those creepy old guys in the bar. Um, I have not been since the last time I went years ago, and I already felt like the creepy old guy. And well, but, it's, a, uh, it's just a yeah. fine line, right? Because I think if you're just like, you know, if you're just the guy who's like, ah, God, okay, I'll go, and you're just dragged there, that can be fun. You know, like, that's a cool thing. I'm fine well, with that. Well, that's what happened. But then I saw, like, Will Clapp, who was, like, fresh off a game, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> exactly. man. I definitely feel like the old football player who's, like, trying to relive his glory. Like, hey, I played, you know, like, hey, I played here a few years ago. That's uh, the other uh, thing. And that's what's, that's what's worth mentioning for me is like I also try to avoid places that like I know players are going to be at because I'm a reporter and like I like to keep some distance there and yeah. I don't want to be like because one I don't want them thinking like I'm like at this bar to watch what they're doing and then you that's know fair. like there's something of like hey maybe you shouldn't see what I'm doing at you know 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and vice versa there's a mutual respect I mean and, and there's just the I mean you are a true journalist there's the uh, I you know I think about this all the time because I've been on both sides of the equation. There is just a natural friction kind of created between um, journalists and people that you cover because you have to critique them. It just comes with the job. And guess what? A ton of people don't like to be critiqued. And 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 so yeah, it's it's almost easier to. It's definitely easier to to uh, keep those relationships kind of devoid of too much emotion or anything like that in order to kind of uh, so, so you feel like you can write about them and, and be objective and just yeah, and, you know, critique them. And then we'll move um, on. But I got to say, like, my, my main thing is just that I'm glad this is kind of a young person's list because I'm like so many of my favorite bars in Baton Rouge aren't even near this list. You know, it's like, yeah, they did. Well, like there's a lot that aren't even on the list. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to go to, I mean, honestly, my like go to, like if I just want to relax and have a good night is I go to Bengal tap room in downtown or I love that. Uh, I love that setup right there on the corner. They got the nice little patio. Yeah. River Bengal room is nice. obviously a staple. Um, and then, I mean, these days government streets awesome with like, you know, the new, uh, the, the beer garden by, uh, there's the beer garden. There's, Oh my god! Uh, the radio bar is probably the best bar in Baton Rouge. That's not on there. That's a crime. But I'm, I'm not. Yeah, like the, I know. I I'm not like yellow list guy. But come on, that's where that's where I think probably a little bit of my experience was uh, was missed in this list. But say <laughs> la vie. Uh, All right, we can move on. Shout out Tigerland though. Uh, they are the stars of this week. Big by the week way, for them. Uh, the Hold That Podcast podcast is brought to you by the Athletic. You go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast you're going to sign up for 40 percent off there's no ads on the athletic incredibly talented writers um if you like sports you're going to love it and you get it for like three bucks a month if you sign up with the link so go check that out athletic.com slash hold that podcast but yes tigerland is in the news uh brody because um it once again uh proves itself to be the root of all evil as there has been imagine this they reopened bars uh, while virus, you know, during a pandemic, and that you know, a pandemic where the virus is spread by being in close quarters with one another, and a bunch of colleges kids went and partied at the bars like I would have probably back in the day, and it looks like there was a COVID outbreak uh, in Tigerland. Yeah, I mean, what, more than 100 students tested positive, and then, you know, I mean, then there's the the big news of the week, which is obviously what you're getting at, is that LSU had, you know, the football team had, you know, 
upwards of as of as of three days ago it was around 16 positive tests and you know more than that nearly half the team was quarantined because of just different exposures and we don't know how many were at Tigerland, but I've heard at least, you know, a handful of the positives were at the Tigerland event and they spread it. And it's just like it's a big it's a big week for Tigerland as evil guy because he can just get on Twitter right now and be like, see, <laughs> literal proof. Big, big day for that guy. But I mean, I, well, I, and these jokes have been made constantly, but it's like, you know, you, you heard about guys getting diseases at Tigerland. Exactly. Not the first time. It, it, it had just never been Corona before. <laughs> yes, no, that's, that's, that was the best reply I got to all my tweets, even if they weren't original. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I also want to give a tip of the cap to whoever whoever Fred's PR guy is, because now they're, like, becoming the hub for testing. You see that? Like, they're having, like, a big no. testing thing today no. in their, or Thursday in their parking lot. Like, that is the spin zone of all spin Let's zones to be like, actually, dude. we are the heroes here. We are the saviors. Everybody come to Fred's and be safe. That is a good PR move on the bogeys guy. Fire whoever their PR guy is right now. I mean, dude, that's, that's like when window. the casinos pay for like, uh, are you addicted to gambling ads? Uh, <laughs> you should you should seek help, right? It's a safe, nice job. Hey, that's just, like you said, that's solid PR on Fred's part. Um, so let's talk about this yes. from the LSU perspective. Uh, so 30 players are quarantined right now. At least, yeah. Um, and how many positives do you said it's thought well, there maybe were? As of Wednesday afternoon, it was 16 positives, and I believe, or Thursday, it was 16 positives. And the news came out Friday, but they, I know they were also waiting on another series of tests to come. So it's probably more than that by now. That was just the Thursday, Friday numbers, you know, because so many guys were exposed to those, you know, 16 or so. So I don't know the exact number, but it's probably a good amount. But then you get to that's the whole debate of this week the whole angry twitter thing of this week is some people being like well they're the healthiest portion of people on the planet they're fine and that's absolutely true and yeah i guess we should say nobody's been hospitalized absolutely um, and i think only like like minor symptoms yeah i was gonna say i think i heard only one or two players even showed symptoms so yeah in terms of like the actual effect of the LSU football team, yeah, I mean it's not drastic. And and Shelly Molinex and all these the people involved, they have planned for this. They knew this was going to happen. They didn't know it'd be this many, but they knew there'd be positive tests. You're seeing them all across college football. That part, yes, but the debate part that I think is frustrating a lot of us is people being like, this shouldn't be news at all. This isn't a big deal. And I just have to. I always come back to this one thing, and it's it's the same people who are going to hate everyone if things get canceled that are the ones that are making most likely to get canceled. And it's just like, if you're the person who's like, I want football and I want this over and this is all fake and all that, well, the more you fight it and think it's stupid, the more you are perpetuating it. Even if you disagree with positive numbers mattering, which I understand, you might. But even if you disagree with that, it's a fact now that if there are all these numbers and it's high, they're going to make more precautions. That's just the fact. So the more you don't wear a mask and say this is a hoax and all this stuff, you are just making football less likely. So you're only hurting yourself even if you're on this big hill you want to die on. Yeah. Yeah. It's um – I mean, I don't know. I just follow the science and listen to what the doctors say. We're science guys. And, and and like, I mean, there's good stuff, right? There's stuff like we know that contact tracing isn't. Um, I'm not saying it's not a problem at all, but it's definitely not the main way that it spreads. Definitely. Like it was maybe thought to before, uh, and it just looks like masks really are, and and you know, abiding by social distancing. Um, not even necessarily like quarantining, but like, you know, keeping your distance, wearing masks, like that's going and washing your hands uh, will go a long way 
towards towards helping things. But uh, you know, whatever, do what you want. That's fine. It's it's a free country. But it is to me. What, what I've been trying, what I've been trying to uh, drive home, though, Brody, is that this is not the exception. This is the rule. Like these stories are going to continue uh, throughout the year. This is learning to operate in what is uh, considered to be the new normal that people are always talking about, right? Like until a vaccine is made, you're just going to have to deal with this sort of stuff. (laughs) And where that could potentially get a little scary is um, odds are that, you know, these guys, everybody should be fine, right? Um, And I'm not just talking about LSU. I'm talking about throughout the country, college athletes, and not just football players, but college athletes returning for work. Um, odds are that 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 they should be okay, uh, but but there is just kind of like like I heard a writer describe it as a sword of Damocles, just hanging over the situation. Like there is the nightmare. There is somebody who uh, does have a, a a bad reaction. Like like I mean, Tony Baselli's kid is a um, D one athlete, and he ended up in the hospital for multiple days uh, during the kind of original outbreak. And, and and it's just kind of a scary thing. And it's an interesting thing when you think about a player's ability to choose. And even on this issue, I'm torn. Because if I was a player, and if I was a young college kid, uh, I probably would, you know, I'd want to go play. I, I'd want to go back to school. I'd want to do all of these things. And selfishly, as an adult, in my job, I, I, I want college football to happen uh it's huge for me economically even on top of just like a an enjoyment standpoint but i do have a bit of a a, a, like philosophical issue with uh i I feel like players don't have a lot of choice in this you have to be there on campus you have to be working out and if you are not like you're not going to be a part of the team and they have no pathway to representation either. It's not like they can unionize or anything like that. And I guess my main point is that look, cause I, I, you know, and, and you know what, I'm willing to entertain arguments that they're actually safer on campus in a more controlled environment than they would be staying at home. Like I, I think there's a lot of potential truth to that as well, but I do want this to drive home that when we talk about student athletes, let's be clear about what matters more between student and athlete. Uh, these guys are athletes first, and they are treated as such. And that's why football season, I still think, will happen. It feels less way like a couple weeks ago, I thought maybe there'd be fans in the stands as we sit here today, June 23rd. That feels unrealistic. Again, maybe that changes. Um, but I do think football will happen because the money that it generates and because it almost has to happen. But let's just all be like clear and in agreement about where we, you know how, how we actually view these kids. You, you hit it beautifully. I think that's well said. And we can go out on that note in that, that department. We can get into some football talk. Yeah, football talk. Okay, so it is Tuesday, which means that we had Coach O on OTB. Uh, we touched on a number of topics, and I think I liked three answers today um, a lot, bro. You should start and, telling him that, by the way. But, but hey, <laughs> three of them were good today, all right? Well, it's like we talked We talked so know, much I football, know. right? I'm, I'm looking for the nuggies. I'm actually I'm impressed you guys still even have him on every week and like still have stuff. Hey, we, you know, he's, he's been killing it like depth chart. People love, people love it, man. Shout out Coach O for coming on OTP. But um, – uh, I am not a journalist, by the way, to be painfully clear. Uh, so everybody's upfront about their intentions. Um, Coach Ogeron, though, uh, I asked him about Jabril Cox and, and, and grad transfers. 
And I really just asked about Jarrell Crocs, but I kind of asked about grad churches as a whole. And unbidden, even with Jordy interrupting him and him starting another answer, <laughs> he went back and he was pretty effusive in his praise of Harvard transfer Liam Shanahan. Uh, Brody, you wrote the what is considered to be the consensus best article on Liam when he transferred. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing Coach O's praise for Shanahan? I guess the main takeaway is just that, like, they actually, you know, we have kind of been operating under this. Hey, he might just be not another body, but a depth play, right? And yes. I think it, the main takeaway is okay, maybe he is more than that. And we, I am not going to take too much stock until pads come on and we actually really see what they think. But yeah, I mean, I think my takeaway is okay, he actually might be in the mix for some of these spots. And it's not shocking in the sense that, I mean, we've said this on the show a million times, but center of all positions, you really need a guy who knows what he's doing, can actually lead a line, can do all those little things, and, and you know that better than anybody. So I, I could totally see you being more comfortable with with him if, if he can do the snapping part and all that then then you know a, a redshirt freshman or a, a redshirt sophomore who not neither of which have much experience at the position you know because if you have three guys who don't have much experience there and one of them's a really smart high iq chip on his shoulder guy i mean yeah maybe ty goes to him so i just think my, my takeaway is he's more in the running than i might have thought yeah, I think so, dude. I think so. I mean, I even might like, mm, I mean, I guess it's impossible because they haven't really started football yet. But uh, he he's done something that really impressed them. I don't know what it is, right? Maybe it was showing up super in shape. Maybe it was like seeing his size for the first time in person. Maybe he's been lifting a lot in the weight room, right? Like this has the feel of it like he impressed Moffat in some way. And and then maybe when they did like these player practices or something, I, I I'm I'm not exactly sure, but something has gone on where Liam Shanahan has really flashed to these coaches early on. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that I very much think that the center position, like specifically, is probably the single biggest question mark on the team. So if you have your answer with an upperclassman there, right there, then. Okay, so let's let's like jump way ahead. Let's project super positive here. If he ends up being good and he ends up starting the LSU grad transfer resume, and you assume Jarrell Cox is going to be good and start as well, um, that that would be just another home run couple of guys. But it, it, we'll see where it goes. But but early return on Liam. If this is a stock market, investor confidence is soaring. There's been some whispers that this guy that this guy could uh, could do some things. Yeah, I mean, well, there, there's that funny thing that I forget what the numbers were, and I don't have a number story in front of me, but, like, you remember, like, when he first signed, I mean, everybody was like, he's only 270? How is he going to play O-line in the SEC? And everyone's like, guys, that was actually his freshman year at Harvard number. He mm. He's, like, 310. You know, like, he's he's not 270. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So he's, like, 6'5", 310? I mean, that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I, I believe a 315 or something like that. So it's like, I think, like, maybe he came in, it's like, oh, he's a better athlete than you realize. And I think, you know, he's actually athletic for his size, too. He's not just, you know, some big you know guy doesn't move and i could totally see and this is me just spitballing but i could totally see a scenario where they're doing these players only workouts and training sessions and listen as much as high as you and i are on some of the talent on the offensive line 
there's not a single guy except for probably Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram's probably the only one that when I look at that offensive line, I could see taking charge and being like a leader there or or really even just from an X's and O's point of view, like taking charge. There's just really not those guys. Ton of talent, but a lot of redshirt sophomores and freshmen who are learning. So I could totally see a scenario where Liam Shanahan is just like day one, clearly the adult in that room, you know, and like clearly is just leading it. And that goes a long way because – like, just to repeat myself, there's no position that would matter more than center. And plus, he might play guard. Ojan actually made clear to say that, too. It might be guard. And, 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 be and he even said that they repped him at tackle. Yeah, uh, that's what he played so, mainly. Yeah, so he's gone center guard and tackle. Um, it seems like maybe they got a player there. So, shout out Liam Shannon. And and obviously- you, you are on to something that you were saying. Like, this would be another home run and we're getting way ahead of ourselves but this would be another home yes. run of the grad transfer thing but say hypothetically both those two between cox and shanahan work out i mean then you are at like a hey why is lsu the best graduate transfer program in college football that's like yeah, that would be like a real thing because yeah. it would be like a 90 percent hit rate at that point in the ocean <laughs> on air so we're getting way ahead of ourselves but it's just something to kind of keep an eye on uh shout out james craig the line coach coach O's yeah I mean, he might have a big one coming him. tomorrow um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not going to dive into it. But, I mean, Garrett Ooh. Dellinger, the top 100 offensive lineman from Michigan, he commits tomorrow. LSU's considered the favorite. And, I mean, if Craig lands his second big offensive lineman from Michigan in three years, and that's an area LSU has never really recruited, yeah, I mean, that would be a big win for Craig. Um, do you have a Brody Miller crystal ball prediction? I mean, I'll, I'm predicting LSU, but a lot of that's, you know, me taking the reporting of some better recruiting reporters. Hey, that's how you do it in the sports media world. I know, Just I'm learning, man. Else. Context like, guy's becoming a, uh, a cherry picker. <laughs> um, like, shout out. Well, and I always credit guys when I when I use their work. But, like, yeah, today Nick, Nick Underhill has got me, like, fully interested in the Saints again through his writing. And we actually used – his an article he wrote is like a basis for a second. We've used articles that you've written as basis too in the in the past. Um, okay, something else we asked. Uh, we talked about pass rush and kind of how there's no heir apparent, if you will, to Caleb on Chasson. And he mentioned BJ Ujolari and who? Oh, and Philip Webb, right, a freshman who who hasn't even played. What did you think about? Uh, or, or like, I, I guess, what was your takeaway? As far as the defensive line was concerned, what O had to say. Yeah, I, I think, you know, well, I think what, here's what I'll say is I think we do this thing where we have to kind of take what O says and try to project, you know, some meaning behind it. And it's always tricky, but I do find it interesting that he leads with, you know, the first two names he very much led with in terms of the heir apparent thing, because that was your specific question. And I think that's the only, I actually want to, like, this is a little segue I want to go on, is that I think the thing to learn about all O questions is O answers questions. But you, to take meaning out of his answer, you need to be very specific about what the question was, and that's where you're going to get your meaning because O will cling to a certain word in a question, and that's where his mind's going. And the heir apparent thing, his mind went to these two freshmen. And what I take from that is, and this is me going way over the line speculating, is is I think those are the two, B.J. Ojolari and Philip Webb, those are maybe the only two, or not only two, but main two that have real – potential to be stars potential to actually beat guys and i don't day one i would not project either starts to be clear like i think they both have to learn that's a tough position to come in day one and start but but yeah i just think those are the two that have a chance to be an heir apparent for lack of a better word but while you know guys like a a justin thomas andre anthony tk mcclendon all those names that we know 
they're probably more ready. They're probably more reliable. But I, don't, I think if you asked Ojeon right now, I don't know if he's as confident as he is in those two freshmen that any of those guys will be like all SEC superstars. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, it is about uh, we asked about pass rush specifically, not every down defensive good line point. play. Like uh, you know, th- those a lot of times with young guys, especially, you love putting them if they do have that. You know that potential. You love putting them in just on third downs. Give them, give them like yes, give them a super narrow slice to work with, and just try to maximize the physical return. So, B. J. Ujolari and Philip Webb, uh, remember those names, LSU fans. And then finally, the last question that I like so much, Brody. Uh, wow, that was aggressive. Um, I like football. It. Football like is starting uh, July twenty fourth. How about that? Or was it 21st? July 20-something. I believe it's 4th, yeah. Uh, It is 24th. July 24th, the SEC, or is it the entire NCAA? Either way, LSU is starting some form of practice on July 24th. Yeah, and I was curious. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from, I guess, his response on that? Um, It was, what what did they say? They're doing eight hours a week they're allotted? Six, I believe, yeah. Yeah, Okay, six hours a week. Um. I mean, it's 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 to me, it's just interesting because there's never been football out, you know, at that time. Normally, it's just you are working out, you're seven on seven, and you're just kind of getting ready for camp, but you're not doing codified football practices with coaches. So, and and it's not really like, and, and you know, they're doing this to make up for a missed spring, but it's not really like spring. It's almost going to be like a super extended camp in a lot of ways. I think that coaches are going to love this because it gives them all this time for installation and, and all these things that once camp starts, they no longer have to do. They can like really hit the ground running. So the timing of it is pretty fascinating and almost tax on uh, like nearly a month to, uh, to the season. Yeah. I, I read. I was reading an article. I think no, yeah, it was. Uh, it was the Paul Denner of the Athletics. You know, really great article. I recommend for LSU fans. It was basically he called it the zooming of Joe Burrow, and it was basically just about yeah. I read last- that too. That was nice. Yeah, it was, it was good. And and my takeaway from that was that you know I always I always view everything in the world as like mismatches, right? If some you know you might think one team's bigger, so it's a mismatch. But guess what? That works both ways. It might mean the other team's quicker. So and I, I think of it as this could be a weird opportunity in sports history. Of there's never been a time where you're using these last six months, pure four months, purely for the mental aspects of the game. And that's not what you want. I mean, you want to be practicing things, these things. Of course you would. But you just can't help but wonder, maybe this mismatch goes both ways where they go into camp and it's going to be the most prepped they've ever been. So like you're saying, they hit the ground running and maybe practice is actually more effective than it's ever been because you're going in with, in theory, a full understanding of the offense and defense and you're just adjusting from um, success and failure. I, it's just a theory, but I just think it's really a fascinating thing to watch going forward. Of like maybe they, you know, how they keep saying Zoom is here to stay and they're going to use it even when they're back to normal. Yeah. I wonder if like there's little inklets of this that they actually, you know, want to take going forward. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I mean, I mean, I, I thing is, in a normal year, that would never be. Now, maybe the Zoom stuff, like there. This is this actually. You know what? I'm not even going to project forward um, <laughs> because these are new technologies, and which means rules will be developed around them. And you know, they're not going to let coaches just like skirt by usage rates or or hours allowed 
by uh, Zooming Guys Unlimited. So we'll, we'll see. I, I have no idea what next offseason looks like, right? With everything going on, who knows? We're just hoping to have this season. Uh, but that's cool. So about a month from today, LSU going to start football practice. Okay, Brody, we have a few minutes left. Um, you do a mailbag article on theathletic.com, which is really good. Do you have it pulled up? Because while I have every question written down, why don't you read the questions that you think you want to discuss here on the pod and uh yeah so i i think the one that kind of jumped out to me that we it's just an interesting thought experiment is somebody asked is there a chance like how would you view this season in terms of talent compared to last season and you know the question was is this team actually from a recruiting standpoint and all that is it actually more talented than last year now the, Wait, who asked that? Uh, give, give give your wonderful writers a little shout out on the pod to the question. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, Ryan A asked that, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, and he was basically saying from a recruiting standpoint, which is more talented, and he's he's onto something. I mean, of course, we know you know recruiting rankings can be silly because Burrow, Jefferson, Edwards, Alaire, Thad Moss, Patrick Queen, those are some of the best players in that team, and none of them were like superstar recruits, but. We also know now that those guys are more talented than guys that will ever come through the program again. So it is a weird thing, mm. but still, I think there's something really interesting, and it's you start on. So, what do you think? Do you think that this year's? Do you think this year's team is actually more talented from a recruiting standpoint than was uh, last? Yeah, year? I, I think the answer is actually yes. Because okay, you start with defense. Wow. So they're losing from like a, a top recruit point of view. Rashard Lawrence, Caleb on Chase on Christian Fulton, Grant Delbert. Those were all pretty pretty damn yep. big recruits. But you're replacing those guys with, okay, you know, I don't know who the DNs will be. They'll probably be lower rated than Chase on. But you're probably replacing Fulton with Elias Ricks, or, or you know, yep. that's an equal recruit, if not a higher recruit. You're replacing Delpit with, you know, the guys in the mix, they were all top 100 recruits. And Delpit oh, was, no, I that think, was okay. That was a weird delay thing. Wow. Uh, this is the pandemic special. I've had so many weird audio bug stuff today sorry you continue i didn't mean to interrupt you you had like cut off on mine um and i you know what leave this in john this is the real stuff okay continue what you're saying then the deep hits for the 30 minute mark um so yeah and then you're replacing richard lawrence but the guys that are going to be taking those spots are you know an apu aika or a tyler sheldon was very highly rated yeah, Tyler Shelvin was highly rated. Andre Anthony was a pretty big recruit at the time. You know, and like I think a lot of those guys in that, or BJ Ojolari, you know, guys like that. So basically, my point is, I think that defensively, it'll be around the same. You know, Damone Clark and Jabril Cox were not big recruits, but then it comes down to like, but really, you would probably call Cox a huge recruit now, right? You know, just yeah. in terms of like, so Clark is pretty much one of the only guys who wasn't a big recruit. So I give the 2019 defense a higher edge, but minuscule. But then offensively, you go through it. Miles Brennan's a bigger recruit than Burrow. Yeah, I would argue pretty much all four running backs on the roster were bigger recruits than Edward Tillaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chase Marshall and Eric Gilbert were all massive recruits. Kayshawn Booty's a five-star. Trey Palmer was top 150. So receiving-wise, probably edged to this year. Offensive linemen, the main guys you're hurting by losing are Cushenberry, Damian Lewis, Sadiq Charles, Adrian McGee. Only Sadiq Charles was even a relevant prospect, really, and he wasn't even a huge one. So guys like Cardell Thomas, Anthony Bradford, Dare Rosenthal, Jason Hines, they were all rated higher than all of those guys. That's fair. So offensively, they are actually much higher rated, which kind of gets back to the thing of, you know, yeah, but they're less experienced, so like maybe 2021 offense is going to be great. I don't know. 
So it's it's a it's a it's a non-answer. Well, to me, it just highlights what a weird. What, to me, no. I mean, the answer is yes. The 2019 team from recruiting, from that standpoint, is better. It doesn't mean they're going to be a better team. Um, it, to me, it just highlights how crazy it was what happened last season, and the kind of personalities that rose over the last couple of years, and where they rose from. It's true. What a perfect storm! Uh, all right, but I don't have anything to add because you said it perfectly. So what's next? <laughs> Um, I think, you know, one is just, and this is something we've talked about before, but I just think it's always worth bringing up. It's the first question. Coach O has made several, from Fred V, who actually asked a lot of great questions. Shout out to Fred V. Coach O has made, Fred v. <laughs> has made, Coach O has made several comments about playing. Actually, oh wait, sorry, real quick. That's actually Fred five, Brody. Um, you're, uh, I hope I wouldn't so. expect you to I don't understand think it Roman is. numerals. Maybe it's Fred Van Vliet. You don't know that. Maybe Fred Van Vliet's oh, like a huge dude. LSU guy because Wichita State football is not a thing. So he's like, I'm going to choose to believe that. <laughs> okay. Coach O has made several comments about playing, quote, LSU style defense with both Planey's DC. Is that a knock on Aranda? I thought they got along well. Was he unhappy with Aranda's scheme? This thing you and I love to bring up, we've never like dove into it, is that Coach O, I don't, I, I answered, it's not a knock on Aranda. But it's not not a declaration that there were like some things he wanted to change, you know. So I think he knew Dave Aranda was a great DC. I think he knew that his scheme worked and kept LSU afloat for several years while the offense didn't work. But that was not a defense that Ogeron was like built to run. He didn't want that. He wants yeah. aggressive defensive linemen getting up field. He wants blitzing and two high safeties to give protection. That's what he wants, and that's what Pelini is, right? Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's told us that multiple times, but I think your breakdown of it is so spot on. Um, it does not don't don't think about it in terms of getting along well or anything like that. But yeah, it is. I mean, it is a it just I think that fundamentally, Ogeron and Naranda have different defensive philosophies, um, and 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 Pelini is much more in line with Ogeron's own philosophies. And uh, oh, this is a homer take. Let's go. Uh, Feed me. So I apologize. But if you want me to spin this super positively for Ogeron, um, there's something to be said for somebody who, although he could differ you know, like that much philosophically with their coordinator, that he would still allow him the room to run the defense that he thought was best. Uh, even when there were moments that, that year where you could tell it was clear he didn't agree with what was going on, like whether it was sometimes in the Texas game or uh, some, the Alabama big play at the end or like other situations. But 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 good on him for at least allowing Aranda to work unhindered. And obviously what Dave Aranda ended up doing with last year's defense and throughout his tenure at LSU was spectacular, and it resulted in a national championship. But, yes, Pelini and Ogeron are much more of the same mind philosophically. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, and I think this is even in the piece, but this is the biggest example of how I always say, like, how did Ed Ogeron change? Well, he learned how to defer, and he learned how to trust people. And, you know, Ole Miss Ed Ogeron probably would have fired Dave Aranda at some point in those three years just because that's how that guy operated, and this guy operated yeah, as most definitely. you trust a guy who's good at his job even if you don't agree with him. And I think that's the – wow. And and I was not trying to steal your thought. Well, I don't care. No, the last paragraph no, it's something you and I talk about all the time. I think I got that from you, honestly. But no, and I think the last like thing. You hear that, Brody's dad? I did not try to steal his take, okay? The inside joke continues. Um, but yeah, and the last thing I'll say on that is, but it also goes to, that's why this year, these next three years, I should say, is almost the most like pressure-filled Fred Ogeron because 
not I mean he's free for a very long time after winning a championship, but we'll also learn more about him as a head coach these next three years because he inherited Aranda. You know, Brady was, you know, flashing the, like, you know, lightning in a bottle. But now we're really learning about what the Ogeron era is going to look like because it's his first real DC hire. You know, he's replacing Brady. Yeah. You know, all these things. He's replacing a lot of guys who've left this year. So I think we're really learning what Ed Ogeron's going to look like running a major program in his own image. So I, I, there's more room for failure in that sense, but there's also more room for possible growth. So who knows? Um, all right, Birdie. Maybe we have time for one more. We can make it quick. What, what's the last? I'll throw one more at you, real quick. And it's just the okay. somebody asked. You know, basically, should I? The person said, "Should I be mad, or am I just being biased?" That do you know their name? Uh, yeah, thank you, John H. Which I get a lot of John H. questions, and I just tell myself it's John Hayes trying to stir the pot. But our producer, no, it's my cousin John A. Bear. Is it actually? No, That'd but cool. I, I went to college with a guy named John A. Bear. Shout out Jay Bear. He was great. All right, fair. But John H. asked, you know, am I being biased or is it, should I have a right to be annoyed that, you know, Miles Brennan's in most, almost every national list is ranked as the number six SEC quarterback behind Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, KJ Costello, and Bo Nix. I think, it, hmm. but then he also even clarified himself and I think answered his own question, which is, Perhaps I should take it as a positive that Brennan would appear to be the highest-rated QB without prior starting experience. And oh, look at John A. I think he answered his own question there at the end. I don't think uh. there's any rational way you can put Miles Brennan ahead of any of those five guys without having any first-team tape. I mean, the, the only, the only, yeah, yeah, that's yes, rational, yes, but you know, it's a sports talk. We don't always deal <laughs> in the rational. If 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 you wanted to. You would just have to make the argument that, like, uh, that the LSU scheme and and, and everything, which isn't even. But then that gets the, that, that's to make trickier, yeah. Because then you're like, well, is it the quarterback? Right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the argument would be like just that. Yeah, that that last year that LSU's dominance was such last year that even if you do three fourths of it or like two thirds of it. Like two thirds is still forty touchdowns thrown. Do you think Jamie Newman throws forty touchdowns? <laughs> I know Trask, Mon, Costello, Nick's like I, I don't know, but I, I'm not going to sit here and make that argument. I, it's much easier to let Brennan just prove it himself. Exactly, because Jamie Newman. I mean, despite the fact you know he was in the ACC, he's some great tape. Kyle Trask got some awesome tape. Was probably you know the third best quarterback in the SEC after Burrow and Tua. Kellen Mond is the most polarizing quarterback in football now. He's I don't even I can't even think of a good comp for how polarizing he's become. But overall, a pretty solid SEC quarterback. Costello's tricky because, you know, he injuries and short spurts. But, you know, big recruit. And Bo Nix, as much as you want to criticize him, was a true freshman who had a pretty solid you know, SEC. I'm bullish on I'm, Nix. I think I'm, Nix I'm and, bullish on Nix. I am team. I am buying all the Auburn stock. Their defense is going to probably take a step back. Oh. But I, Bo Nix with a Chad Morris run offense and no more, like, you know, basically putting the quarterback in brutal situations. I am all in on Bo Nix this year. So, and and we got another question later, which was like, "What's the expectation for Brent for Bert Brennan?" And I said, "Like, here's the thing: if he had, you know, what what we jokingly would call half a burrow and threw for yeah. like three thousand yards and thirty touchdowns, hey, that would have been love it. number two in the SEC in 2019. Half a burrow is Damn. still the like would be the best in the SEC now. So what the fuck?" So, like, it's a bizarre thing because, yeah. If, if Joe Burrow was so good. I know. So, if he does that again, if he does half a Burrow, 
I mean, yeah, Miles Brennan's probably the second best quarterback in the SEC and a huge success. Oh, that's so crazy. Uh, and that's where we're end right there. So if you like that mailbag and you like Brody's takes, you should go sign up for The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash hold that podcast. 40% off in the sign up link and it helps us. Sharing the show helps us as well if you're into that sort of thing. Um, we thank you. We love you. And go buy your meats at A Bear's Specialty Meats in Bocage, stuffed chickens, ribeyes, and all the other delicious, wonderful meat based treats. Um, until next week, I am T Bob A Bear. He is Brody Miller. We thank you. And we will see you on the next Hold That Podcast podcast.